Well, welcome to As the Dinosaurs Turn. We've been delinquent about recording podcasts in 2024. We've had some excuses, though. We've all been ill, or I've had really bad allergies for a few. No, I've been sick also. So um, for several weeks, we've had the crud. So we've had an excuse, I guess. Yeah, definitely. There's an upper respiratory infection going around. Um, and we're getting better, believe it or not. This sounds pretty good compared to where we were a week ago, but Tyler, who I think is patient zero, is still dealing with it. (laughs) Yeah, he's been to the doctor. Oh, yes, he's been to the doctor. He's had x-rays. I likely will get to take him back tomorrow morning, and we'll uh, see if it's progressed. It's interesting, though, because... You know, if you have this for so long in the States, you would go and they would check you out and then they'd give you antibiotic, right? No, that's not the way things work here. Um, He got a um, a couple of anti-inflammatories, some prednisone, um, inhaler, a special tea, right? Um, Just to try and like dry things up, reduce the inflammation. He has not dried up. But they took x-rays of his lungs just to make sure it wasn't actually like in his lungs yet. It hadn't turned into pneumonia. Um, But we have to take the x-ray back with us. Like you have the actual printout of the x-ray and you bring it with your files. So it comes back and forth with you. So he was very excited about that. He thought that was the coolest thing he'd ever seen. He's like, look, it's my lungs. He just showed Jack when we got back. He was like, look, Dad, it's my lungs. I was very excited. Now, how much did all of that cost? For taking him to the, for an appointment and getting x-rays. So we, if we had gone to the clinic, like the health clinic, the central health clinic, that wouldn't have cost us anything. But it was a holiday. And so we went to the hospital. The private hospital then has an open clinic for SNS. So those who are part of the health system. Everything cost us six euros. So, and then we went and got all of our stuff and everything there also cost about six euros. So for about 12 euros, about $15, we had everything that we needed and it was a good 30, 45 minute appointment. I mean, it was, it was pretty nice. You wait a long time because everybody gets their time, but that was part of it. Um, if we had gone on a day when the health clinic was open and there weren't any appointments available, then we would have had a $30 fee. So it would have been $30 instead, or like plus the, plus the x-ray would have been two. So $32 instead of six. But I'm thinking about like when we first moved here, even when we weren't in the system, we were supposed to be, but we weren't. And that took... It took forever to get it right. But I had to have the scope done, which I do. I did in the U.S. also. Every two or three years, I have to have a scope done because of family history and some stuff. And, you know, in the U.S., it's like you schedule that months and months in advance. And you go and you do it. And we had a $2,500 deductible. It was always more than the $2,500 deductible for getting my scope. Here, we weren't even in the system. No, we paid out of pocket completely. We got in in one week, right? One week. 
And the scope and everything was like three hundred dollars. Well, three hundred euro. Euro, so three. And then there was blood work on top of that. That's so true. total, the whole thing was like four hundred euro. But that <laughs> that's still uh, very different. And that's without insurance. It is, and I'd say that prescriptions here, depending on the prescription, so you get a discount for participating in the health system. Um, when something's prescribed as part of the health system. If something's prescribed outside of the health system, then you don't get the discount. Um, but the discount is like f- maybe four euros. It depends on the medication. Um, so it's not a lot. You still are expected to pay for things. The other piece of it, though, is that it's taxed, like it's on your tax ID. So they track all of these medical costs for you automatically in the system. It's associated with your tax ID. And then the government tells you like how much you've paid in all of those years. It, it t- they tally it all up for you. So I love this, that I'm going through and doing all these itemized deductions. Well, itemized deductions are expected as part of Portugal, right? There's a certain amount of a deduction you get for paying tax in so many different ways. But the government keeps track of all of that because it's all associated with your tax ID. Right? It's like completely different. I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't have to have a spreadsheet. Um, And then also, if you have a receipt that's not tied into the system, you can upload it yourself. Just like people can upload the receipts into our system, but it's the federal government system. It's mind blowing, right? So it's like all tracked. So we know exactly what it is and how much it costs and all of those things. Yeah. Right? It's crazy. But... Well, I suppose I shouldn't say this, but I will. In America, you have the illusion of freedom that you could choose not to pay for health insurance or choose not to go to the doctor or whatever. But, you know, I think sometimes maybe the setup, you know, Portugal isn't perfect, but some things, some things are not so bad. I would say that, yes, of course, we're paying taxes. I mean, we pay taxes in order to help pay for these things. But that's actually, I'm going to be honest, I'm looking at the taxes that a lot of our clients are paying, and they're not going to pay more taxes here than, than they pay in the United States. People in the United States, you know, everybody... I think regardless of your political affiliation, everybody complains about their taxes in the U.S., <laughs> but you have no idea how lucky you really are when the vast majority of average people are either in the 12% or 22% tax bracket. True. But then you also have to remember, like with us, you know, at your job that was providing your health insurance, the, the premiums for a family of four were 24000 dollars a year total that we didn't pay all of that they paid your employer paid two-thirds of it but yet in a way theoretically that reduced your wages by sixteen thousand dollars or something because of the health insurance cost so it's like you know your tax rate is low I think the only difference between like the U.S. and a European country is in the U.S. you could choose not to have health insurance, I guess. But then if something happens, which it will, and you don't have insurance, then you're going to declare bankruptcy or something. So, I mean, there's... 
even when you have insurance, that's an astronomical sum of money. Like if you told a Portuguese person, okay, great. Well, with your insurance, that's going to be 2,500 euro. They'd have a coronary. Mm -hmm. And of course, the wages here are much lower, of course. And I think that that's something for us to keep in mind. And the tax rate is higher, but then you literally go to the doctor whenever you just don't feel well. Mm-hmm. And that actually was something that was very different and we're still adjusting with, right? So I don't feel well. Um, I'm like, oh, it'll pass in a couple of days. No big deal. I'll just rest. Well, you have to have an excuse for when you're not at school. You can't just not go to school, right? And your parent calling and saying, oh, they're not going to be there today because they're sick. That's not a valid excuse. Like you have to have a documented reason. So you have to go to the pharmacist. The pharmacist has to tell you if you can't get into the the doctor, here's what you're going to do. You have to actually see somebody and they give you an excuse. You go to the hospital, you have an excuse, right? Like those types of things. You go to a clinic, you have an excuse. You go to the dentist, you you have some type of a valid reason, but you have to have a note. And I remember being a professor and there was a time where you're like, oh, well, we need a doctor's note to excuse you from class, right? And then it's like, oh, please, nobody can afford to go to the doctor. We're not going to to do that. And doctors don't want to write notes. Like, what is this? But that's really a thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, though, that it's, it's definitely a shift in mindset. It's like, okay, a, a child's responsibility is to be a student. That is their full-time job. If they're going to miss their job, not only does it have to be justified, but it has to be documented as the reasons why they missed. And that documentation goes into a national system. So it's not just like, okay, teacher's got a file folder. It goes into a national system. And if your child misses so many days of school that are like unexcused, they just disappear, you're fined. I'm like, wow, like it's, like, it's completely different. And so I was like, okay, like the whole community is just say, like supporting each other to say, okay, you know, and I know it sounds like big brother in a lot of cases, but I would say that <laughs> there it's, it's a different system. Um, it takes some time to get used to. There are still things that boggle my mind. I'm like, no way. Like, no, that's not a real thing. And it turns out, oh, yeah, that's a real thing. It's like, what? There's a national system? Are you kidding me? No, no, we all have it. It's it, We all have our logins and those things. It's like, okay, then. Um, but I also would say that um, it helps with funding. And they also have a lower rate of people dropping out of the education system. And I think it's because of the fees, Right. It's because of all of that. I think that, you know, when you have a little bit of money and you don't want to give it to be like, oh, well, you didn't go to school today. And and so there you go. There's your fee. I mean, it just I'm just amazed. It's like, okay, And I don't think it's like a large fee, but it's still enough that you're like, no, I I don't want to pay you. And of course, the Portuguese are like, oh, everything's taxed. Everything's so expensive. Everything is this. And they're right. You know, it is taxed, and that's part of the reason why things are a little bit more expensive here and there. But then there are other things that are not even close to as expensive. Like when we talked about the healthcare piece, or we talk about utilities. Mm-hmm. Utilities, I'm sorry, paying for electric and water and gas in the United States compared to in Portugal. Yeah, I'd say Portugal is definitely cheaper. Um, when it comes to utilities. And when I'm talking about like an electric bill, you know, let's say what in January, our electric bill for the uh, 
for the apartment was like 15 euros, right? And of course, this is the time of year where you don't use a lot of electric, right? Because it's, you need heat, you need gas. And so the electric bill for, or the grass bill for January was like 35 euro. Our water bill, because there's a lot of us, you know, was like 75 euro, you know, but you add all of that up. And then I look at some of the utilities we were paying in the States and I'm like, well, we were paying like 300, 400 a month sometimes in utilities, depending on the time of year. And so I think it just kind of averages and blends out in some respects. So, and of course, I know that some of this is like controlled by the government of how much they can actually charge and all of those things, but it's also because wage limits, like what the wages are, are kind of controlled there too. There's a minimum and a lot of people make right around that. So it's not like there's money going everywhere. I don't know. It's really interesting to sit back and look at it all now though, and after a year almost and say, okay, so where are we spending our money more? You know, at like gasoline, way more expensive, right? So having a car is definitely a privilege. Car insurance is about equal. Car payments, less, but also over 10 years. So you wind up paying more. Yeah, well, I mean, cars, I wanted to just buy an old beater car. And you can't, in the United States, you could buy an old rust bucket. Or like I went and bought an old pickup truck for 5,000 bucks. Maybe you could do that from a local Portuguese person on like Facebook Marketplace. But really, there's not the corner, you know, used car lot with someone who's going to sell you an old car for a few thousand bucks. I mean, mean, there are the corner lots, but the cars are minimum 10,000 and really it's more like 15 to 20. Ours were more like 15 to 20 that we bought. I'd say it's definitely like the lowest you're going to get is 10. And that's because of the environmental impact. And so it has to pass. And of course, like we can talk about from the state of Iowa, we didn't have to pass an inspection in our car every month. There are states that you have to do that, right? I mean, so it depends on where you're from. But there are certain um, guidelines that that a car has to be taken off the road after it does a certain amount. And so people get get around this. You'll see see people on like really old motorcycles. So they're not, motorcycles are not um, monitored in the same way. They'll have their windscreen, right? And then they've got like this big old coat basically in the front of them. They've got their helmet on and they've got this motorcycle that goes maybe... 20 kilometers an hour like it's really really slow but it gets them from point a to point b and Mm -hmm. and they're fine with that um but when it comes to cars like there's also the idea of buying something that's of quality that you pay for for a long time that's going to last and meets the requirements um and then it's an investment and you don't have to do it again and so there's not an idea that you're going to be putting a ton of maintenance into your car or those types of things either. Like that's all kind of included into pieces. So it's a different approach. I don't know. But you're right. You can't just find like you can, but they're, they're going to be um, a lot of fees and things that go along with a cheaper car that then end up it ends up costing about 10000 Like yeah. mm-hmm. That was our experience where we are. I think it really depends on where you are in Portugal. Um, well, you had said before people around here drive nicer cars than like in Lisbon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I would say that the south is very different than the north of the country. 
But here people are always like, there's the BMW, there's the Audi, here's a Porsche, here's a Lamborghini. I'm like, (laughs) I just, I don't even know what to think. You know, like it's, and I've seen cars here that I've never seen in person. Like before, I'm like, wow, I've always seen them on TV or like you see them randomly and you go to a really expensive city. So it's like where people put their money. Mm-hmm. And of course, the car loan is over 10 years instead of five. So you can right. buy a more expensive car. Well, yeah, the car loans are over 10 years. Home mortgages are over still 30 years, right? Uh, up, well, no, because ours is... Ours is like 33 years. 32 or, or 33 years. You can have a mortgage that lasts until you are 75. Right. So it's 70 or 75, depending on the actual mortgage company. And so they will allow you to go to a certain way. Everybody has a variable mortgage. Um, You don't lock in until rates go down, if rates do go down. But when we're talking about a variable mortgage, we're not talking about all of a sudden you've got these giant balloon payments, you know, where you're like, oh, guess what? Your payment went from 500 and now it's going to be 3000 or something like that. Um, and so, and the interest rates are much lower still, even with a variable rate mortgage than they are in the States. So I think that that's very interesting. You pay fees in different ways. Um, but the interest rates are always lower. Some countries, I think Canada is going to like 40 or 50 year mortgages. And, you know, it's because. I think that in some places it's more of an acknowledgement of the rising cost of living and the fact that wages don't keep up with the cost of living. And here I am going off the rails again. But, you know, in the United States, we all whistle past the graveyard on all those things and it's all fine and dandy and great. Let's get the credit card out and, oh, yeah, and put it on the credit card. But, you know, it's all great. I'll stick my head back in the sand and pretend like nothing's wrong. Whereas in other countries, it's like, well, you need a car and a three-year mortgage or three-year car loan or whatever all the gurus say, either pay in cash or do it at a three-year car loan or something. Well, that's not going to work. And you can, well, here I am starting to foam at the mouth, but (laughs) I mean, what else are you going to do if you need a car and it costs a certain amount of money and you got you got to get a loan so loans so the loan is is a longer period of loan you can yeah. pay things off ahead of time without any penalty at all um you can you can also put things towards principal balance anything you pay over in any payment actually goes automatically to principal um it's not something you have to request or anything like that. It doesn't go to offset any interest or any of those things the next month. But credit cards are not really a thing. And so that's where your credit is. Your credit is in your home, your credit is in your car, and your ultimate goal is to get rid of all of those. And so um, I think that it's it's a different approach to to budgeting and, um, you know, to like making, making things work. But it also is a different approach just to everyday life. I mean, you're not going to go out in a town like Povo de Lanoso and you're not going to eat out every meal and you're not going to drive through going from point A to point B and get all of those things. Like you're just not, you're going to go and have your coffee and you spend a euro or two on coffee, you know, and that's your big coffee expense, you know, and then you're going, you can go to the supermarket or you can go to the fruteria or the talo, right? So you can go to the butcher, you can go to the bake shop, you can go to 
the fruit and vegetable stand and that's always going to be cheaper. You can do your stuff at the actual market, the farmer's market every week, and that will also be cheaper. You're buying direct from the farmer. And so you have options, um, even as a small town. And that's not always the case in some of the places that, that we have lived or that we have friends who live. Like there really are food deserts where the only thing you have is fast food. And that is not, that is not the case where we are. Um, but again, I think that you, you spend your money on the actual ingredients and you cook every day. And there's an expectation that you cook. And most people go home for lunch. There's not a go out to lunch in the area where we live. They go home for lunch. Um, students might stay at school for lunch. The boys hate it. <laughs> they hate school lunch now, which is funny because they loved it at the beginning, thought it was great. Now they're like so over it. <laughs> Um, but I think it's, it's interesting. It's very different. Um, the pace of life is just different going home and eating lunch and eating lunch as a family or cooking your meal. Those are things that are expected. So yeah, um, you're expected to leave the office. You're not going to be in the office for your lunchtime. Actually, the entire office closes at lunchtime. Everything's closed. Um, so I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind too. And, you know, you stagger shifts and, and things at the hospital and at the clinic and uh, places that are open so that there is enough coverage, but everybody leaves for their lunchtime, which is at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, depending on the, the location. So I don't know. I'm enjoying it, but it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around still of trying to adjust some of those cultural elements. But... Just saying. Like, we're going to have to do our first Portuguese return, tax returns here soon. That's true. So we're gathering, going to gather all that information. Hi, dogs. The dogs have come to say hi. Oh. (laughs) But, um, and I think that that will be an interesting process to be able to talk about, you know, what is that like as an expat? Of course, we're in the non-habitual resident regime, so NHR. Um, and that has ended and is being adapted um, for a different program. So our experience for any of you who are thinking about coming later on will be different than your experience. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that we're having some some times. So we're hopefully getting better. Um, and we're just working. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if we like we spanned a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. <laughs> like we talked about being sick and then we started talking about medical costs and tax and cars and it's like there's no rhyme or reason to this one. Well you just never know. Apparently not. <laughs> All right, well let's let's well Stad was trying to talk. You gonna say anything? Oh, that was his little high. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We better wrap this episode up. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you again next time on As the Dinosons Turn.